welcome to Y11 Audio. I'm Alex Alvarado, and thank you for listening. This is Ipsilanti's College Football Podcast from Ipsy11.com, which is Ipsilanti's College Football Newsletter. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for listening. Yes, yes, if you're looking at the calendar, I'm a day late. Yes, yes, I'm sorry about it. Uh, reason being, I already did record a, an episode yesterday, and then I was listening back, and I was like, oops, uh, I got a few things wrong on there. Uh, what am I, what, what did I get wrong? I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. I'm just going to re-record a new episode and just do this on a Friday. Sorry about that. Sure, you don't mind. It is week 12 going into 13 after all. Midweek matchings coming to a close. The season's coming to a close. Eastern Michigan season. TBD. Five and six after a double overtime win over Akron on Tuesday. A double overtime that, you know, didn't need to happen. A win didn't need to happen either. This is a game where I questioned whether or not EMU was totally going to show up in the way that it wanted to. I questioned whether EMU was going to right its wrongs and try to play better than what it showed in the loss to NIU, in the way that it lost to Western, and in the way that it never had a chance against Toledo. It's Akron. You got to beat them. But the Mac West race is over. You know, after you know the the Miami game on Wednesday, the you know the the Mac championship scene is set between Toledo and Miami. So congrats to them. But for you know, just looking at Eastern, what they can control. This is a game where they didn't have to show up, and they didn't have to win if they didn't want to. Not saying that this win redeems them in any way for the season. Not saying a bold trip really does that either because, you know, the the low parts are going to really stand out for this team in this unit. But still, this is a game against Akron where you know Akron's going to be frisky. You know Akron doesn't care that it's perpetually 2-8 and eight, and that Akron just wanted to play spoiler. Akron showed up. They played, you know, as tough as they did last year. They were the they were the only team with the lead during regulation. They were the one that started seven and zero. They were the one that started fourteen and seven. They were the one that started seventeen fourteen, and it was Eastern that had to come back and tie it and tie it and tie it and send it into double overtime. So yes, a double overtime win over Akron sounds great, uh, but then you remember, wait, it took how many overtimes to beat who? No, thank you. So. Good on Eastern to at least close out the, the the home season. The home season, good, you know, finishing with a four and one record at home with wins over Howard, UMass, Ball State, Kent State, five and one, Akron, and then the loss uh, coming to Western Michigan, of course. Uh, cool little nugget from the game, or of the game, last one with that godforsaken track around the field. Get that stank out of here. Finally, that's going to be replaced. That's going to be gone. Track is getting its own facility. The Max Crosby donation is going to help out with that. Uh, Subsequently, it's going to help with the track stuff. It's going to get a new gray field on, you know, for Eastern. And, of course, that's going to cover areas where, like, the track currently is. And then further down the line, there's, you know, decisions to be made about, like, what to do with seating and all the other space and all that stuff. But you can't talk about getting the fans closer to the scene without getting rid of that track first. 
So the timeline for that is not ironclad just yet, but it is coming. It is coming. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited that, you know, it's just weird that like we got to watch such an outdated part of college football be in existence through the 2020s, like part of the 2020s. And that's still going on at Buffalo, Nevada too, I think. I think those are the only two schools left at the FBS level that have tracks around the field. I'm not 100% certain on that, but it can't be too much more than those two. You know, and like with, you know, the another plan down the line, not that it's like being talked about right now, but like the video board, of course, that's going to be changed. That's going to be upgraded. When I started going to college in 2010, sorry to date myself, but when I started going to college in 2010, that was on a quote unquote new installed video board in like 2009, I think, like TJ Lang year. That even then, that was retrofit for specs of the 90s of like what was expected back then. And so I got to see a new piece of equipment in its second year when it was like 20 years late, right? And that was my introduction to EMU football. It didn't look anything like it does now. The bubble was new. The, the but like the main facility, that big football facility, that that was not that was not real. That did not exist until, you know, just a few just a handful of years ago. So the plans of modernizing EMU football, the plans of like improving its infrastructure to get popular, right? Get popular with the kids, especially in recruiting, but to be legitimate amongst, you know, the adults, you know, you're not, you're not recruiting us to play for you, but you're recruiting us to talk about Eastern Michigan and talk about Eastern Michigan as a legitimate football product. And it's not going to be a legitimate football product no matter if Creighton after this season ends up winning like three MAC titles in a row, it's a JV program if it keeps that track. It's a JV program if it just looks so boring and desolate the way it did when I was in college. Like the gray turf installation the very first time 10 years ago, like announced months, maybe a month, like right after Creighton was hired big swing that was a big is desperate the right word they 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 were starved man eastern was starved still is all max schools are really starved for attention starved for respect toledo's man toledo's pissed off that they're not having respect i tell you what but emu needed all of it it needed all of it and over the past 10 years it's certainly gotten to the point where Nobody's scoffing at it. Like, at least, you know, there's there's levels of it, right? There's always going to be people that are so far outside of knowing about college football and the MAC and all that stuff, and which is fine. Like, not everybody needs to know about it. I'm not certainly on my P's and Q's with like the big sky, but anybody that is living in this footprint, right, and is in the market of persons that maybe have a reason to care about EMU football for a long time. Didn't and probably still don't, 
probably still don't, but they're at least getting giving EMU the more respect than what it has before. And they may or may not, by and large, especially nationally, it's really hard to win it out over on the internet, but like the whole gray turf thing, it's not going to be loved by people who don't watch games on there. But someone like me, you know, like, I, like I'm always going to be around, right? Kind of a cockroach in that in that way. So I don't have to be worried about, but like, the, you know, generally you listening, right? You care about Eastern Michigan football, your friends, the people next to you on Saturday or Tuesday, whenever you show up to Rainierson, you might not have loved the gray the first or the second time that you stepped on it or saw it or whatever. Like, ugh, ugh. But over time, you kind of just accept it. You kind of get over it, I guess. You kind of just, it doesn't really bother you. The only way it like truly looks bad on TV, like truly looks bad, is when EMU wore like the gray uniforms. It just looks ugly. It just looks really, really bad. I love it when EMU rocks, you know, all green, green with white, which I don't think they did all, at all this year, which is kind of disappointing. I liked green tops, white bottoms. That's a really sharp look. You know, that the gray turf is, it created an identity for Eastern because you absolutely, and I have told myself this many times, you know, I'm here watching EMU play Kent State on a gray turf. I am not here if I don't love football. And like, that's, to me, like, you can talk about like the anywhere, anytime kind of approach. And like a lot of teams try to like embrace that. You know, Eastern Michigan being close to, you know, Detroit, car capital of the world, having like a parking lot to try to like intertwine that is a good, is like a fun thread for Eastern Michigan to like try to create with the community and all that. You know, being blue collar, being hardworking, all that sort of stuff. And so I think like the gray turf was like gray clothes, like gray uniforms. We see too many of that in college football because it's safe. It's a lot safer than doing the black uniform thing because people are dumb. By having a gray turf is a very bold decision. And it's a bold tradition that EMU is going to be keeping around so it's actually pretty exciting from my perspective to see that Eastern, you know, now that we're 10 years into it, now that it's time to replace a turf, right? Generally 10 years is what you expect. Like EMU had choices. Like EMU had a choice to, no, 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 we're going to go back to green. We're going to go back to people, what people like. We're going to put the gray in the end zone, something like that. No, they're committed to it. Like they are blatantly demanding your attention and it's to look at this gray field that they are not just doing for the first time but they are doubling down on right they are doubling down on it by reinstalling a new gray turf and so the first time they asked for your attention they were they didn't get into bowl games right they were not bowling now 10 years into it we're looking at potentially six bowl games over 10 years if eastern didn't have your attention before it's re-asking you to please look at eastern michigan again because it is playing on a great turf because it loves it and it loves football so much that it took away the track the sport that the school is better at to double down on the gray football turf so is it brazenly desperate again 
probably. But is it bold? Yeah, it's bold. It's definitely bold. And it's definitely cool that, you know, we're starting to see, we're getting to a point in EMU football where it's starting to build more new modern stuff, right? The building's cool. Now that the max donations come through, you know, and they're going to start figuring out plans for getting the new turf and all that stuff, getting rid of the track and getting all the other sports changed up too. I mean, like I haven't been to a basketball game yet, but like they renamed the court after Ben Braun. That's a big deal for them right now. The George Gervin statue has of course been a big deal. They renamed the building after George Gervin. There's been a lot of new changes for EMU over the past handful of years. And so this, what we're going to see next year with a football field that doesn't have a track, brand new turf, new patches of green around the gray with Max Crosby's name on it. It's a sign of more more new things to come. Anyways, new turf, tracks going away. Eastern beat Akron on Tuesday, 20 to 34, or I'm sorry, 30 to 24. That wouldn't happen, 20 to 34. That, no, that, 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 no, that's no, no. 30 to 24 in double overtime. Um, thanks to strong running out of Samson Evans. Guy looked really, really fierce out there. Um, and this is a good, you know, good way to kind of segue into and keep talking about um, the great turf. See, one of those threads I was talking about. He was within striking distance of hitting a thousand career yards on the gray. And he reached it. He reached it. 1060, 1060 yards on the gray turf for his career. Tanner Canoe was also within striking distance of a thousand. A uh, thousand receiving yards, I should say. So close. So close. So close. Had it not been for a drop or had it not been for a screen pass that went for negative yardage, he would have hit it. He would have hit it. 998 receiving yards total on the gray turf for his career. <sighs> so close. Hell of a career. So close, though. So close from hitting the 1,000-yard mark. Uh, I haven't done my homework to see who else has done what on the gray. I'm going to work on that for, you know, a gray turf post coming up. Other posts I have coming up. Uh, Sunday, planning on doing it Sunday, new quarterback rankings. Probably going to be the last quarterback rankings list of the year. May or may not do it the week after to finish up the season. Uh, because I know the week after, after, you know, the the Tuesday before Thanksgiving and the Black Friday games after the regular season wraps up. That Monday after the regular season, that Monday leading up to the MAC title game, I'll have my all MAC teams released, the Ipsy Lanny versions, the Ipsy 11 versions, I should say. So something to look out for. I already did the mid-season stuff. If you haven't seen that, uh, ipsy11.com. All right, we will hit on the Toledo-Miami game next week, maybe the week after, too. Uh, yeah, it just, I don't need to preview the MAC championship game right now. They still have a game to play each. I'd like to see how they finish out the seasons. I'd like to see if, you know, the rosters can stay totally healthy uh, and all that. Both of them come, you know, both of them did have good wins over the week, though. Uh, Toledo came back after being down 18 points at the half to Bowling Green. Didn't need the win, just needed to not be embarrassed by Bowling Green. Uh, they win 31, or 32 to 31, rather. Miami beat Buffalo 23 to 10. Should have been a bigger score, actually. 
Um, Avion Smith's doing okay. He's doing okay. His running back, Rashad Amos, really good. I really like that guy, man. He's he's super awesome. But yeah, you know the, you know we don't have to talk about the standings too much. I mean, there's already a winner in each division, so we can just we can just kind of move on. Let's just finish up by like looking at the Buffalo game really really quickly. I don't need to spend too much time on it either because I mean the stakes are the stakes for Eastern. Win, you go bowling. Lose, and probably not. You know, you win, you're 6-6 six and six on the year. You go to a bowl trip for the sixth time in 10 years, like I said, which is a great feat. Puts you in position to win your second straight bowl game for the first time in program history. I mean, we already waited my whole lifetime plus a few years before Eastern got its second bowl win ever. So it's second in a row would be uh, pretty awesome. It wouldn't, again, it wouldn't change. It wouldn't right all the wrongs, right? It doesn't change the fact that Eastern played the way that it did, you know, to lose to Minnesota, lose to Jacksonville State, Central, NIU, Western Toledo. It doesn't change any of those. But it's a nice little bow to end the year, right? It's a nice little treat. It's a nice little, it's nice for, it'd be nice for the culture of, Eastern football to finish strong. And like I said, against Akron, a team that you should beat anyways, this is a team that could have folded. It could have folded when it was down at all. But it wanted to show up. It wanted to play. wanted to finish with a win at home for the seniors and all that stuff. Buffalo's going to be the one that wants to play spoiler at home. Three and eight on the year. All three wins are in MAC play. Three and four in MAC play. Buffalo has not been looking incredible. Buffalo's been looking physical, right? They like to fly around and hit, but I don't know if they're like super technically sound. They don't. And not that like Eastern's doing well in this department itself, but Buffalo really, really struggles to put drives together. Just really, really struggles. And so knowing what I know about how Seasons go, how it's just so hard to wake up and get going for for these games. You know, you can love football all you want, but these are still tough to play in, not because, like, the quality of opponent, but just, like, the quality of excitement that you get, you know, out of playing these games in the first place. Like, nobody wants to suffer a really bad injury here, right? Like, nobody wants that knee injury to happen to them. Let's all get home healthy to our moms and dads for Thanksgiving and whatnot. You know, and if, but for Eastern, again, this is a game where Eastern should win. It's a game that Buffalo is not the better team here. Eastern still has more to play for. If it didn't want to play for more, it would not have beaten Akron. It would not have come back to beat Akron after it was down three times through regulation to eventually, you know, get the leads it needed to in overtime to win. And yes, that was a game that featured two scoreless quarters, so it's not super perfect by any means. Never has been, never will be. But this is also a game where if Eastern didn't want to show up and compete in the second and fourth quarters against Akron, it certainly will not have to against Buffalo. But because of what we saw against Akron... I'm encouraged enough to say, like, hey, you know, I like Eastern's chances to do what it should against Buffalo and win by 
a touchdown or two. It really ought to. Major key, major key for me, you have to control Buffalo's defensive ends. You have to control it. Plain and simple. Eastern has been trying to get, you know, some explosives in its run game, which understandably so. You're not, it's been hard to find them through the pass game. Definitely take them when they're there, but in the run game where the game's going to be paramount, definitely just control Buffalo's defensive ends and push Max Michelle where he doesn't want to be pushed around to and do what you can to get, you know, big long runs off the tackle's asses with 28 or 22 carrying the ball, especially 28. You've been trying to, like, make that happen for a while. This is a great opportunity to make that happen Uh, because Buffalo, they're going to be trying to do the same. They're going to be trying to control Eastern's defensive line. No matter what, like, this is, like, the kind of game where whichever D-line group shows up and disrupts things the most, you're going to win. It, it, it's going to come down to that because whichever team can just have a few guys just mentally quit, they're toast. If the defense, the defensive line group is the, the ones that's going to make teams the most pissed off. The defensive line groups, the defensive line groups are the ones that's going to get teams to mentally bow out first. And so that's for Eastern's defensive line to to come through and force Buffalo into too many situations and into too many third and longs to where, you know, it just can't handle it. And it's just like, you know what, let's get out of here. We we have twenty five minutes left on the clock. Let's just go home. Let's go let's go eat some stuffing. You know, Buffalo's looking for explosives any way they can. They're trying to use both quarterbacks. Things are not going tremendously using either of Cole Snyder or C.J. Ogbana. You know, they have a couple good receivers. They're not nearly as good as the three receivers that they were able to lean on last year. That's for sure. Uh, The running backs are the same, but, like, offensive lines, look, I've seen great Buffalo offensive lines. Usually it's when... um, NIU's offensive line coach, I'm blanking on his name right now. And when Lance Leopold, when they got when those guys worked together, that's when Buffalo's offensive line group was looking great. So I've seen Buffalo's offensive lines create holes that large semi trucks could roll through. Um, we're looking at smart car availability here. You know, this is where you know these are the off this is the offensive line where like you can park your smart car or your compact car. Uh, those cars are reserved for these spots right here because Buffalo does not get many explosives. If it gets like three, they're going to try to like get the most out of them, but there's no guarantee. Still, I don't see Buffalo dominating on the ground. I, I really don't, which is why I say like if Eastern's defensive line is going to like win this game, like do it here, you know, do it here. If you can force... And yes, yeah, this is common sense here. If you can force more third and longs instead of third and mediums, you got a shot. Buffalo is not a team that takes many deep shots downfield, passing. Really, like it's it's really one of the worst like getting the ball downfield offenses in this league. This is a team that they look good when they're like trying to line up, but that's about it. They 
juice a lot of the play clock off. They don't do a lot to try to confuse the other team. And sometimes, like, on, like, the crucial third downs, they're not always throwing it past the sticks. Like, they're playing conservatively. They're playing, like, close to the chest. So Buffalo does not scare the living daylights out of me. I mean, 3-8 and eight on the year, like, it's, it's pretty evident enough. I don't know. Buffalo's super, super disappointing to me. Eastern really should win this, man. Like, if if Eastern wanted to lie down against Akron, like I've already said a few times, it really well could have, and I'd been totally okay with, like, okay, you know, this game could go either way, but no matter what, Eastern's not going bowling, so it doesn't really matter. This is not that situation. This is a situation where Eastern is playing for that bowl game, and they have to keep that as their season right now. Like, that's their season. You know, you're not in the position you want to be in. You have a losing record. You want to play out of that losing record for sure. And winning three games in the row to to end the year is, you know, sounds good. Sounds good. Doesn't give you everything you want out of the world, but it's definitely a confidence booster that this team needs, especially for as young as this roster is in a lot of areas. They might need... They definitely need, they truly need the extra practice, the extra reps. And so this team can start to start to audition for itself moving forward, right? Get new guys out there, play for a new season starting with the bowl game. It's a good opportunity for Eastern to finish strong, finish strong at the end of the year and start fresh with its bowl game, right? Kind of start fresh with some of the true freshmen maybe maybe some transfers that have only gotten like very small amounts of playing time. Let the seniors play out the year that the way that, you know, they want to, you know, it should be a good time. And I'm actually kind of more excited for this Buffalo game than I kind of thought I would be heading into, let's say since the Toledo game. So no, this isn't going to be, you know, the biggest game of the year. It's none of that. It's, it is a game that has expectations in the final game of the year when this team is it's least healthy right and so good on eastern to keep its hopes alive to be in position to make history with a six bowl game in 10 years potentially back-to-back bowl wins should it come to that and all the, all that potential should be like down the line but it, it's good on eastern to you know be in this position and it's good on Eastern to keep football exciting through the end of November, something that has been missing for, well, it's been missing since at least before the gray turf was installed the first time. And thank you for listening to another episode of Y11 Audio. If you like what I do, hit subscribe. If you love what I do, all I ask for is $6 a month, and you can get it all at ipsy11.com. I'm Alex Alvarado, and thanks again.